Why don't we start this morning by singing in our hymn books number 567, and let's say, He is risen. Amen. Yeah, we're celebrating the most beautiful thing that we know. And I see we have guests here, right in the front row. Welcome here. I'm sure there are other guests here today, and we, uh, we extend a hearty welcome to all of you as we worship our God and Savior together. Number 567, why don't we stand and sing? He is risen. Welcome to this, the most glorious day in Christendom. Happy Easter. Welcome to the, we welcome all who have come to worship with us this morning, as well as those who will be listening to this broadcast later in the week. We give praise, honor, and glory to our risen King, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of all, alive and interceding for us at the right hand of God the Father. We ponder and consider what Jesus accomplished on this day some 2,000 years ago. 
The finished work of the cross made salvation available to all. Rising from the dead, the first fruits of those rising from the dead with a glorified body. He opened heaven's gates to the saints. He paid the anguish and sin debt of the whole world, billions of people. Having deposited their sins in hell, he bore the physical torture and pain, though he was without sin. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we were healed. Our sins were blotted out, and we were pardoned from that sin. He gave sanctified eternal life to all believers, the once for all sacrifice for the entire human race. What an awesome God. For an opening scripture passage, let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with verse 36, where Jesus appears to the disciples. Now, as he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that he had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with, spirit, with power from above. Jesus bore the cross, the place where our sin intersected with God's holiness. The one who died as our substitute now lives as our advocate. There is wonder-working power in the blood. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for taking on our sin debt, for blotting out our sin, and for being the ultimate sacrifice to pardon all sin to those who accept you as Savior and Lord of their life. Thank you for the witnesses and those who you ordained to pen the scriptures that give us a first-hand view of, what, of God the Almighty willing to, and the willingness to die for our sins of all believers, and they become our advocate Lord, make us worthy of the name that we, are, that we bear as Christians and followers of Christ. May we be faithful to the call that you have placed on the disciples and to, on us to be your witnesses and preach repentance and remission of sin in his name to all the people and nations. Jesus, blessed be your name. Amen. Call on Victor for singing. Let's take our hymn books again and turn to number 179. 
Christ the Lord is risen today. 179. singing, and I'm sure our Lord is hearing it. Let's turn in our bulletins to number, not number, to He Lives. He Lives. I serve a risen Savior.
Take your bulletins and we'll look at the concerns and activities of the church. Activities happening this week, there's committee meetings, Bible studies and prayer times, avail yourselves of that. There is no Sunday school this morning. Uh, focus on missions, our missionaries of the week are Don and Shar Epp, as well as Give the Word ministry that uh, equips churches, ministries and, individ and individuals with Bibles designed for outreach. Church needs uh, have a custodian position still open, and anyone wanting to transfer membership, uh, see Pastor Dean. Persons with health needs, we have Mary Dwick and John Suderman in Swan Lake Hospital, as well as Rita Friesen in Red River Valley Lodge. Uh, large print devotionals are in the library. I'll ask the ushers to come forward as I read the other announcements. Under community events, uh, Central Station needs volunteers, and Pembroke Valley Camp is hosting a, a, a banquet for a fundraiser, as well as uh, Gospel Equipment Ministry is holding a fundraiser supper on Friday, April 20th, and Mark and Katie of our congregation are involved in that, and it helps uh, the uh, prison chapels with their ministry, so come out to support them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we are mindful of Easter and what Jesus endured on our behalf on the cross, the guilt, the anguish, and the shame of all mankind's sin. It is hard for us to fathom that you were willing to sacrifice your only begotten Son, pure and sinless, God in human form, to die that atoning death once and for all. That wasn't enough. But as scripture had foretold, you, you rose on the third day as you said you would and are interceding on our behalf. You are faithful and true, and we are grateful. It's not dependent on our faithfulness to you. Your tender mercies and loving kindness are new every morning. May we as a body of Christ take your hand and allow you to guide and direct our paths, for you are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you for being a God of compassion as we walk through the valleys of life. We pray for lost souls and that today would be the day of salvation for many. We pray for a revival, Lord, in our community, our province, and our country, for things are going in the wrong direction spiritually. We pray that you would intercede on behalf of Mary Duick, John Suderman, and Rita Friesen, who are hospitalized and need a healing touch as well as the many others in our church and community who are struggling with health issues. We pray that you would be the God of compassion to guide the families that have experienced death in the recent past, guide them through the mourning process. Lord, purpose your will through our missionaries, Don and Shar. Give them courage and boldness to proclaim your name to the Akta people, and we pray for revival, spiritual growth, and discernment among those groups of people. Continue to be their source of strength and encouragement when the growing is tough. We pray for impacted lives through the outreach of Give the Word ministry as they equip individuals, churches, and ministries with Bibles, the living word. We pray for the gospel equipment ministry and a successful fundraiser so that they can continue to provide ministry tools to the prisons and spiritually change prisoners' lives. Lord, we pray that the church activities of this week, the Bible studies, the prayer meetings and committee meetings will bring growth, nourishment, and spiritual maturity as we rely on your wisdom, discernment, and understanding. 
Thank you for the people willing to step forward and serve in the various capacities within the church. We have another need, Lord, and we pray for the custodian position to be filled. Lord, we pray that you would provide for the various needs that arise in the community and for volunteers to step forward and help meet these needs in the name of Christ. We thank you for the blessing of the gifts, tithes and offerings, and those that give to help meet the ministry needs of this body and beyond. Lord, we thank you for the many gifted people you have placed in this congregation and for their willingness to serve. I pray a blessing on each one as they use that ministry gift in this morning's service. We pray for your anointing on Pastor Dean as he preaches on the subject, Christ's resurrection, the foundation on which we stand. Give us attentive ears to hear the truth of your word, for we ask it in the name of our resurrected Lord, Jesus the Christ. Amen. For scripture reading this morning will be from uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. He up his appearance was like, like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. 
So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid with, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers, go to Galilee. There they will see me. Thus far the reading of God's word. Thank you, Bill, for coming and reading the scripture for us. As we listen to the word of the Lord, we can celebrate with the disciples and with many of the others who went before us the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An exciting time because if Jesus had not come, we would still be dead in our sins. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 through 19, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. The resurrection of Christ is the foundation of the believer's life. Christianity hinges on this fact. Christ died and rose again on the third day. If this did not happen, our faith would crumble like a house of cards. However, since he conquered death in his resurrection, we have certainty and hope that we will live again. We have hope that Christ will come back for us. We have hope that we will spend eternity when we make him Lord and Savior of our lives. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 19. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. That is a powerful promise for every follower of Jesus Christ. On March 27th, just 11 days ago, a gun person entered the Covenant Presbyterian Church a private school in Nashville and gunned down six individuals, three adults and three nine-year-old children. What a horrifying tragedy to take place at a Christian school, just especially at this time. And one of the children slain was nine-year-old Haley Scruggs. She was the daughter of Chad Scruggs, the pastor and the, uh, the pastor of the church and the school. After the shooting, in a statement, he said these words that expressed the hope and the faith that he has in Christ and his family has. He said, we are heartbroken. She was a gift. Through tears we trust that she is in Jesus' arms, who will raise her once again to life. What prevailing words he spoke of his faith based on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that he rose from the grave, he conquered death. That is the hope and the certainty of every believer, every person who is a follower of Christ. We live in a world of evil and chaos, but Jesus is our strength, our guide, our anchor. He conquered death, and because he lives, we too will also live. 
We will live after the galaxies have burned out long after that, after they have come to the end. Eternity will only have begun, and we will live with Christ forever. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinth church, says this, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I've received, I pass on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, this is one of the greatest days on the Christian calendar. It is the greatest day because this was the day that Jesus conquered death for each one of us. It was the day that he rose from the grave, victorious over sin, victorious over death, and no longer has death has a sting. The sting has been taken out because the moment we die, we go to be with you. Hallelujah, we praise you because you are the awesome God, the creator and sustainer of all. And because you have redeemed us, each person who has made a decision to ask Christ into their lives, Lord, we know that we will spend eternity with you. But Lord, in the meantime, may we live with the joy that you have placed in our heart to attract other people people to you because you have called us for this reason to be ambassadors for you may we walk before you in your strength with your guidance for this we pray amen i've entitled this message christ's resurrection the foundation on which we stand because it is the foundation It is the only foundation on which we stand. First of all, number one, we must hold firm, as the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians. We must hold firm in verses 1 and 2. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul has now come to the foundation of the gospel, which is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Nothing is more important than this. Their salvation and eternity hinged on this one fact. This is the foundation for for the teaching of Christianity. Notice that he calls them brothers as he reminds them of the essentials of the gospel. Sometimes, some, or somehow, somewhere, they have veered off course. And for the first, from the first time that he had preached to them, now he comes back to remind them, to remind them. He has very much concern for them, and that's why he speaks to them again through this letter. I believe there are three reasons why he had to remind them, and here they are. First, they were off track and they were endangering themselves. They failed to hold on to what he had preached originally when he came and proclaimed the gospel. Thus, they would believe in vain if they didn't stay to the scriptures. Second, they could not pass the gospel on to others without living it themselves. That is true of all of us. We, what we profess and do often differ. And we must proclaim, but we must live according to what the scriptures tell us. Third, they came to the point where they knew much about God, but they fail to have an intimate relationship with him and enjoy the Lord every day. How true that is. We can only advertise what we enjoy. We can only share with others what we really enjoy. If we don't enjoy something, We don't want to tell anybody about it or just tell the bad things about it. If someone gives you a cake and it tastes so good and you bought it at or they bought it from a bakery, you want to tell others, if you want to try this great cake, go to this bakery and pick it up. Maybe there's a sunset that you really enjoyed that you've never seen before. And what do you want to do? You want to share it with somebody or two, you want to tell somebody else. That's true with us when we've experienced the gospel. When we've experienced the joy in our lives, we want to share with others the meaning that we have found in Christ. Third, they came to the point where they knew much about God, but failed, I'm sorry, and failed to enjoy him. So it is, Mary was a perfect example of this. Jesus had cast seven demons out of her, and she was set free. Mary had such a love for Christ that she, when she was beside the tomb, she was weeping and crying because they thought they had taken him away. He was dead now, but she had come to anoint the body, and yet she did not find him there. It was only when Christ came and spoke to her that she realized that it was Jesus. And she clung to him, and she threw her arms around him. When Jesus appeared to her, she finally realized that Christ was alive. Isn't that true with us? When we finally realize that Christ is alive, when we are walking with him, it makes all the difference in the world. So we can say this about standing firm in Christ. We must not only have experienced Christ's savings grace, but we must have an intimate walk with him, enjoying him each and every day of our lives. 
That is the first step in how we hold firm to the foundations that we stand upon. It's our intimate walk with Christ each and every day. Now we come to the second truth of Christ's resurrection, the foundations on which we stand. Number two, we must know the three essentials, verses three through eight. We must know the three essentials. Paul says in verse three, for what I have received, I pass on to you. Yes, Paul received this from the Lord, and now he was passing it on to them. Paul wanted to make sure to them, Paul wanted to make sure to them that what he was preaching was not something that he had made up. He was passing on to them what he received. Galatians chapter one, verses 11 through 12 tells us this. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. A As a religious leader, Paul came to know the Lord. He lived a life as he lived a life in a bastion of truth. That was before he came to know the Lord. He was surrounded with it. He had the privilege of studying the Old Testament, of seeing how God worked, yet he did not know God personally. His mind had been blinded, and he could not understand or see the gospel. So God had to knock him off his feet and blind him physically in order to speak to him spiritually. God had to take something away from him. Then he went into the desert for three years, receiving knowledge through the revelation from Jesus Christ. Think about, spent time in the wilderness. There he experienced God where God instructed him. So now he passes on to the Corinthians the essentials of the gospel, and here are the three essentials according to this passage that he is telling these people. First, the reason why Christ died was for our sins. He was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed on our behalf. This is confirmed throughout the Old Testament. God had promised to send the Savior into the world who would redeem man, and that person was his son. And the prophets had foretold of God sending a Messiah to deliver the people from their sins. Second, Jesus died and was buried, which verified his death. When Jesus' side was punctured with a spear while he was on the cross, blood and water flowed from the piercing, also proving the death from a medical point of view, uh, a medical, med, pardon me, medical standpoint. Third, the fact that he appeared to others proved his resurrection. Some people will say, can you prove Jesus rose from the grave scientifically? The answer is no, because it's impossible to go back and repeat that, as, science, as a scientific method tells us. We could not repeat that again. The answer is no. In, in a court of law, though, 
People are not convicted or set free because of proven sci- something proven scientifically, but instead because of the evidence that is presented and because of people who have witnessed the crime or the event. Eyewitnesses' accounts are the most substantial evidence to bring a case down. Just one or two will do that, let alone hundreds. In the same way, eyewitnesses' accounts are proof of Christ's resurrection. Listen again to the many people who saw Christ after he had risen from the dead. In verses 5 and 8, listen. He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born." The fact is that when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, these witnesses were still living and that they could go back and check with these people of the evidence and what they saw for themselves. So here are the three essentials of the gospel that he communicates, and these are them. First, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Second, he was buried, which proved his death. He really did die, not like some critics say, oh, he only faked his death. Third, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people who knew him, which proves he rose from the grave. Indeed, Christ did rise again and he conquered death. Now we come to the last truth of Christ's resurrection, the foundation on which we stand. Number three, we must understand that Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection transforms people's lives, verses nine through 11. We must realize that Christ's life, death, Burial and resurrection transforms people's lives. Paul is one of those individuals. Paul says verse in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Did you know that the Apostle Paul never felt qualified to fill one of the most important roles and offices in the church. He never felt qualified, never felt qualified. First, the reason was that he had persecuted the church and it was at, the, at his hands that innocent believers were put to death. Matter of fact, he went wherever he could, dragging Christians into the courts and having them put to death. 
Paul was not an eyewitness. Second, Paul was not an eyewitness of Jesus' earthly ministry like the other apostles, but instead Jesus appeared and taught him through revelation. So that is why he says by the grace of God that he is in his position. Jesus had transformed his life and he was never the same after he had met Christ on the road to Damascus. I want you to think about your role or position within the body of Christ, or perhaps the role or function that Christ is calling you to serve today. Think about that. Like Paul, you may feel not qualified because of who you are, or maybe because of your past life. But Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He had been redeemed. His life had been transformed, never to be the same. And we are all nothing without God. And if God isn't working in our lives, we stand before him guilty. Only when God is within us and working does anything count at all for eternity. Charles Bradloff was an outstanding atheist in England. You can read his story if you find him on the internet. Lived in the 1800s. Down in one of the slums of London was a minister by the name of Hugh Price uh, Hughes. And I'll repeat that again. Hugh Price Hughes was his name. All London was aware of the miracle of grace accomplished at his mission because of the transformed lives that had taken place. Charles Bradloff challenged Mr. Hughes to a debate with him, uh, to debate him on the validity of the claims of Christianity. London was greatly interested and they wanted to hear what they had to say. What would Mr. Hughes do? He immediately accepted the challenge, and doing so, he added one of his own, and this is what he said to this individual. Hughes said, I propose to you that we each bring some concrete evidence of the validity of our beliefs in in the form of men and women who have been redeemed from the lives of sin and shame by the influence of our teaching. I will bring 100 such men and women, and I challenge you to do the same. If you cannot bring 100, Mr. Bragloff, to match my 100, I will be satisfied if you bring 50 men and women who will stand and testify that they have been uplifted from the lives of shame by the influence of your teaching. And if you cannot bring 50 Then bring 20 people who will say, as my hundred will say, that they have a great joy in life and self-respect as a result of your atheistic teachings. And if you cannot bring 20, I will be satisfied if you can bring 10. Nay, Mr. Bradloff, I challenge you to bring one. Just one man or woman who has, who will make such a testimony regarding the uplifting of your atheistic teachings. Again, the London, again, London was stirred. 
the people were thinking, what will happen? What Mr. Bratloff, what would Mr. Bratloff do? And in answer, Charles Bratloff, with his great discomfiture or shame and chagrin, publicly withdrew his challenge for the debate. He withdrew. Atheism transformed no life, but the grace of God through the life, death, and burial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has transformed millions. They sing on earth, and when they get to, get, get to heaven, they will sing how the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, died and rose again, transforming their lives never to be the same. I close with this song from Bill and Gloria Gaither, The King is Coming, which talks about transformed lives. Listen as I read the words to the song, and it's all because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The marketplace is empty, no more traffic in the streets. All the builder tools are silent, no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors, and in the courtroom no debate. Work on earth is all suspended as the king comes through the gate. Oh, the king is coming, the king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming, the king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. Happy faces line the hallways, those whose lives have been redeemed broken homes that he has mended, and those from prison he has freed. Little children and the ages, hand in hand, stand all aglow, who were crippled, broken, ruined, glad in garments white as snow. I can hear the chariots rumble, I can see the marching throngs. The flurry of God's trumpet spells the end of sin and wrong. Heaven, regal robes are now unfolding, heaven grandstands all in place. Heaven's choir is now assembled, start to sing amazing grace. Oh, the king is coming, the king is coming. I just heard the joy, the trumpet sounding, and now I see his face. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. And we can sing that song when we know Jesus Christ because he died for our sins. He was buried and raised the third day, victory over sin and victory over death. And never, to, and never will we have to pay the price and we will live with Christ forever. Take your bulletins and let's... Turn to uh, almost the back there. Because he lives, a familiar song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. We'll sing the first two verses, then we'll have the benediction, and then we'll sing the third verse.
Let's bow in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Although he died, he did not say in the grave, he rose to victory over death and over sin. And thank you, Lord, now that we have access into the Holy of Holies, that we can come before you any time, and we can bring our prayer requests, and you answer them according to your will. I pray, Father, as we celebrate this special day, that we will remember the price that you paid, and it was for us that you gave your life so freely. May we bring honor to you in everything that we think, everything that we do, and all our actions in the future. We pray, Father, that you'd give us that strength to live that life and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the Apostle Paul says this, but for, the very reason, for, but for this very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might be display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would not believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.